Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I command you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Matthew 28, 19-20 This is the Great Commission. This is a charge Jesus gave his church. This is the reason Harvest Bible Chapel exists. The very first word is go. We can't just sit back and hope the lost wander into our church or into our small groups. We are called to take the initiative. We are called to make the move. We are called to go. Jesus' last command is our first priority. So let's get intentional about missions. The first Sunday in October kicks off our ministry year. And our theme this year is get intentional. All right? So I want you to get intentional right now and grab your Bibles and open them up to Matthew chapter 9. And while you're doing that, let's just bow our heads. I'm going to ask that you would please pray for me to be faithful to communicate God's Word, and I will pray for you to have a heart open to receive it. Let's pray. Father, just now, please open our hearts up for Your Word. It's not about my thoughts or opinions. It's not about trying to be culturally relevant or scratch itching ears. Above all things right now, Father, it is about receiving Your Word for what it is. For what You intended. Not just being hearers of the Word, but being doers of the Word. Father, I pray that today is the first day of a new and exciting chapter in the life of this church. Father, glorify Your name. We pray in Jesus' name. All of God's people said, Amen. Have you ever seen um, online those memes that say, You had one job. How many of you have seen those memes? You had one job. Some of you have. Well, they're... I'm going to show you some, okay, which I researched just for this sermon. But there the, these memes that show um, somebody obviously had a very simple job to do. But somehow, they managed to get the whole thing wrong. And the response is, well, how did you mess that up so badly? Because you only had one thing to do. You had, you had one job. All right, let's look at some of those. These kind of cracked me up. Uh, how about this one? You had one job. Now, if the person sitting next to you doesn't get why this is funny, don't ride home with them. All right? Let's look at the next one. Another road one. This would crack me up. <laughs> you had one job. You're like, yeah, I did have one job, and I'm not moving the possum to do it. Right? And I love whoever made this one has has to have the commentary on their poor thing. 
All right, next one. Uh, I, <laughs> you had one joke. Uh, if you, I don't know if you can see it. It's kind of small. But the uh, prices you can trust, and uh, right above the uh, 78 cents a pound, it says um, long yellow things. Like, is there really somebody that's never seen a banana before? <laughs> right? You had one job. Okay, what's the next one? I, I love that. Just walking down the stairs. Okay, well, I think we have one more, right? This might be my favorite. Not the fact that a dentist was assaulted, but they're like, hey, make sure that you put uh, the first name and last name underneath the guy. And they're like, okay, there he is. First name, last name. Be on the lookout for that guy. And we could go on and on. There's, there's a million of them. And they're kind of funny. But you know, it's not so funny when these kinds of things happen in God's church. And sometimes I just, I just imagine that Jesus is looking down from heaven on the church and seeing all of these goofy things that churches are doing. Things that have nothing to do with God's word, nothing to do with the mission, all these gimmicky, uh, crowd-attracting, you know, Christmas series packaged around secular music, and we're dropping things out of helicopters, and all these goofy things that churches are doing. And I just imagine Jesus is like, you had one job, right? What is that one job? Well, we saw it in the video. It's the Great Commission. That's our one job. And I'm not really worried about what other churches are doing. I'm worried about what this church is doing. What I don't want is for Jesus to be looking down on us saying, Harvest Bible Chapel, what are you doing? You had one job. Collectively, church, we have one job. Individually, as a Christian, you have one job. It's the Great Commission. Like I said, our theme this year is get intentional. And there is no better place to start than the mission of the church. Especially coming off of a month where we focused on prayer. So let's be honest with ourselves, okay? With ourselves. We're focusing here. We become lazy when it comes to evangelism. We've lost our passion. And I think, church, we choose not to think about the condition of the lost. We don't want to think about that. And I have to ask you this morning one question, and you're the only one that can answer this question. Do you care? Do you care about lost people? Church, we have become content as Christians in the United States. Dare I say this church, we become content to maintain the status quo. We want to enjoy our religion. As long, I mean, as long as it's convenient for us, and we don't want anything to stretch us or, or take us out of our comfort zone. This is just the club where we show up once a week and we have some music and listen to a TED Talk. 
do you care about the lost? Maybe I should ask it this way. Do you, do you want to play church? Or do you want to be the church? Which one? Jesus' last command should be our absolute first priority. And we have to have the the heart and the mind of Jesus Christ to do that one job. And that's what we're going to see here. Uh, Matthew chapter 9, are you there? Look at verse 35. It says, And Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction. I just need you to note here that uh, Jesus was both giving the message and meeting needs. Notice that. He was giving the message and he was meeting needs. You're like, what's the point? Here's the point. Churches think that we're meeting the, the requirements of the Great Commission by doing one or the other. And some churches can say, well, as long as we're preaching the right message and, and you're, you're just focused on the message, but you're doing nothing for the community. You're doing nothing to get out there and meet people's needs. And guess what? You're doing half the job. But some churches do the other. They're like, well, we're just going to get out there and, and we're going to feed people and we're going to give them coats. And they never talk about the gospel of Jesus Christ. They never talk about the cross. They never talk about the empty tomb. It's just, let's just go love people and let's just go, let's just go let them know that we care. And we never tell them why we do. But you know, when it comes to preaching, I can teach you how to do that. And when it comes to getting out into the community and giving people coats and feeding them, I can teach you how to do that. But there's something that I can't teach you. And that's to care. That's to have a passion for the lost. We're going to see here that this is what motivated Jesus. This is what drove him to do what he did. It has to drive us, church. And it's time we take an honest assessment of our compassion. Do you care? Do you care about the lost? And look, if you're right now saying, look, the answer is no. Okay, well, let's be honest about that. Because we have uh, healing from His Word here on your outline. I want you to write these things down. Getting on mission. Why should I care? Why should I care? And I'm hoping that after a few minutes, the Word of God and the Spirit of God gets us caring about the lost. Number one, write this down. I care because people are hurting. Look at verse 36. Look at this very closely. It says, when Jesus, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them. Because they were harassed and helpless. Like sheep without a shepherd. 
The word compassion literally means to suffer with. It's a word that was used to describe Jesus over and over and over and over in the Gospels. He was known as a person with compassion. He was constantly suffering with people. The interesting thing in the Hebrews is compassion is tied into the bowels or the guts. You know, in the Hebrew mind, they would use uh, bowels, that term, they would use that concept in the way that we use heart. Right? And I could say to my wife, you know, I, I love you with all my bowels. And you're like, well, Pastor Jeff, don't say that. But that's, that reflects the Hebrew mindset. In the Hebrew mindset, the heart, and this is important, we're going somewhere with this, heart is the root of, of action. Heart is the root of, of thought. Heart is the, the root of, of my will. But in the Greek, or I'm sorry, the Hebrew mindset, bowels, that's the responder. That's the, that's the thing that reacts. And we get that, right? When you're nervous, where do you feel it? We say we get butterflies in our what? When we're nervous, we say, I have butterflies in my stomach, right? In my guts, right? In my stomach. When you're in love, have you ever been in love? Where do you feel that? Oh, you feel it in your tummy, don't you? If you're driving down the road and you see an accident, you just you get wrenched in your gut. It's the, the, the feeling that responds. And like, here's the point here. What the text is saying is when Jesus saw the crowds, he was, he was wrenched in his gut. He wasn't like, well, I've got an obligation to do this. I am the Son of God, after all. He felt something. He's like, oh, I, he, he hurt for them. He deeply felt. Do you feel anything? Why? Why, Jesus? Why did, why, did you, why did you feel that in your gut, Jesus? Well, it says, because they were harassed and helpless. That could also be translated exhausted and tossed aside. People were treated like garbage, disregarded. Further clarifying, great word picture here. Uh, they were like sheep without a shepherd. What happens when a sheep, flock of sheep, herd of sheep, group of sheep, I should have studied this. What happens when a bunch of sheep, that's the word, what happens when a bunch of sheep don't have a shepherd? There's no guidance. They're unprotected. They're left to fend for themselves. They're defenseless. And they can get lost. And they don't even know that they're lost. Do you see people the way Jesus saw people? And if we're being honest today, so many times we are just quick to make excuses to not help someone, right? We make excuses to not help someone. Like, yeah, yeah, I I see that they're having a hard time, but you know what? He's hopeless. 
He's hopeless. Even if I, even if I gave him some money or, or gave him a coat or whatever, it's, just, it's not really going to help. Or we say, you know, even if I helped that, that person, they're not going to appreciate it. I'm just going to have to help them again. And we just make excuses. And church, listen, people are not the enemy. They're the victims of the enemy. They're, they're dead. The Bible says apart from Christ, we are dead. Right? And if you're like, well, you know what, I hear what you're saying, but they're just hurting themselves. I don't feel bad for them because they're just hurting themselves. And i got to tell you, that makes me feel worse for people. You're destroying yourself and you don't even realize it. I think that's a worse tragedy. You know, we, th- we think we know people, right? We're the, we're the armchair psychologists and sociologists, and we have all the reasons why we shouldn't help people because we know, we know their hearts. We know, we know. well, Jesus knew people perfectly. And he was still moved with compassion. So what turns your gut? For Jesus, it was seeing these lost people he had a reaction to that. If I were to ask you, what, what is it that gets a, a physical reaction like that from you? If we're, <laughs> we're being honest today, it's probably something embarrassing, right? Like, oh, I feel that when my, my sports team loses. Or, you know, I watched, this, I watched this singing show and my favorite person got voted off and, oh, it just made me so mad and, I went to Pantera Bread, and they didn't toast my bagel. And we we react to just the dumbest things. But what what about somebody destroying themselves? Does that get a reaction from you? What about somebody who's lost, and they don't even know they're lost? Do you feel that? What about somebody heading to hell? Do you care? You know, I look at I look at scripture and I see Moses from uh, Exodus. This is what Moses said about rebellious Israel. But now, if you will forgive their sin, but if not, please blot me out of your book that you have written. Moses had that kind of compassion for his people. And then we flip over a few pages, we see Paul, right, in Romans 9. He says, I wish that I myself were accursed and cut off from Christ for the sake of my brothers, my kinsmen according to the flesh. And I'm like, man, do I, do I care about people like that? No, is he Jesus? Right? We flip back to Luke chapter 19. When Jesus was going to uh, Jerusalem, the Bible says he wept over it. When was the last time we cared about the lost the way these did? If you're like, you know what, I I hear what you're saying, Jeff. I I hear what you're saying, and it's in my head, but it's not in my heart. How do I get how do I get motivated? Well, it's not going to come from a guilt trip from a message. That's not my goal here at all. I could guilt trip you. I'm not trying to do that at all. I'm trying to have us look at the word of God and say, How are we doing, church? Are we going after this? Because if I guilt trip you, do you know how long that'll last? 91 minutes. 
That's how long it'll last. You'll go home and you'll get lunch and you know, you'll turn on a football game. And So where does the motivation come from? Here it is. The motivation to care can only come from one place. And that's our love for Jesus Christ. That's where. Our motive has to come from our love for Jesus Christ. Which starts with His love for us. Because you know, Jesus said, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. And you know, evangelism is a commandment, right? The Great Commission. It's a commandment. If you love Jesus, you keep His commandments. And we have to be moved by the love of Jesus. Actually, the Bible says it's the love of Christ, 2 Corinthians 5.14, that controls us. I love that picture. The love of Christ controls us. You know what that means? It's like this. If I squeeze this water bottle, what's going to happen? You don't know? Come up real close. If you, what happens if I squeeze this? Right? Oh, you were right. And you see, that's the picture here in 2 Corinthians 5. The love of Christ is the squeeze. And the squeeze absolutely causes a reaction. That water coming out was a result of the squeeze. That's the picture. The squeeze makes the effect. And you see, when you're in the love of Christ, that's the effect that He has on you. He squeezes that compassion out when you know Him and you love Him. So listen, if I'm, ta- if I'm up here talking about missions and evangelism and caring for the lost, and you're like, you're like, Hefe, this ain't landing at all with me. I have to ask, well, how's your walk with Christ? Because when the love of Christ controls you, it has that effect. And another incentive, this is secondary. I want to encourage you. If you're like, man, I'm, you know what? I hear what you're saying, man, but I'm just not feeling it. I'm just in a season of life that I really, quite honestly, don't care about anybody but myself right now. I would say I appreciate your honesty, but I also want to encourage you to recall your testimony. Recall your testimony. You can say, ah, they don't want to hear it. I, 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 they don't want to hear it. You know, once upon a time, I didn't want to hear it. I didn't. I was dead in my sin, as they are. But somebody cared that I was lost and hurting. And now, I must care about people who are hurting. Do you care? I care because people are hurting. Number two, Write this down. I care because of where people are heading. Look at verse 37. Jesus said, Then he said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful. The harvest is plentiful. That's a very interesting way to phrase that. Jesus didn't say, Hey, there's a lot of unsaved people out there. The, the way he words this, or not even, there's a lot of uh, hurting people out there. He uses harvest terminology. When you see harvest in the Bible, that has to deal with judgment, right? Read Isaiah 17, Joel 3, Matthew 13, Revelation 14. Harvest has to do with judgment. 
And the point here is a plentiful harvest means that our evangelism has to have urgency. Because people are heading to judgment. That's the point. People are heading to judgment. So, hey, we've got to get moving. We can't wait. Imagine if you were driving home from church, you pull into your driveway, and your neighbor's house was on fire. And you look, you, you look over at your neighbor's house, and you can see in their picture window, your neighbor is sleeping on the recliner. He has no idea that his house is burning down around him. What do you do? You put the car in park, and you get out, and you say, you know what, I should, I should do something, but you know, I don't want to force my beliefs on him. My beliefs about fire and the destructiveness of fire and smoke inhalation, I don't want to push my beliefs on him. I'm just going to live and let live. You would be an absolute monster if you did that, wouldn't you? Instead, you would be screaming and you would be throwing things through the picture window. You'd be kicking the door down and dragging him out. And lost people are in a much worse predicament than even somebody sitting with their house on fire. Do you care? You see, Jesus saw people, that's the point here, he saw people with eternity in view. Hell is real. And real people are really going there. Do you care? At all. General William Booth, the founder of the Salvation Army, once said, I love this. This always stuck with me. But he once said that he would like to send all of his candidates for officership to hell for 24 hours as the chief part of their training. If that were possible, do you imagine? Could you imagine if you went to hell for just one day? Would it make you more urgent to tell people, the lost people that you know, the lost people in your life, in your family, in your workplace, how to avoid going to this horrible place for eternity? See, I care because of where people are heading. And finally... Write this down. I care because God does. Look at verse 37 again. It says, Then he said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. He says the laborers are few. That's a problem. See, it's a problem that the need is so great. But the problem that comes with that is the laborers are just so few. There's just not enough people to meet the need. You know, every time I read this passage and I think about this passage, which is a lot, I've thought about this so many times. I'm like, why are the, why are the laborers few? 
Why is that? Like, you know, just take a, take a drive through the area and look at all the churches, including this one. Just look at all the churches. I'm like, where, where are all these people that receive the grace of God and they're just silent about it? Why are there so few laborers? Like I told you before, I really don't care about these churches. I care about this church. And I have to ask us, what kind of church are we? Do we care about the thing that God cares about? Are we moved by what moved Jesus? Because here's the reality. You know, God loves the world. And do you know how he has chosen to show that? through you. He demonstrated his love through Jesus on the cross. Yes, today, right now, how is God showing his love to the world? That's, that's on you. He wants to show his love through you. So what do we do? Jesus says we have this huge harvest, we have few laborers, so what do we do? Let's get a program together. You know, let's get all eye of the tiger and, and, and rally the troops. And come on, let's get out there and, and make some noise. Is that what he said? Look at this. Because of this huge issue, verse 38, he says, Therefore, pray. Pray earnestly. Like, pray earnestly for what? Pray for the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers. By the way, This is the pattern of praying for the lost in the New Testament. I want you to tune in here. When you study your New Testament, the pattern of prayer, evangelistic prayer, is not praying for unbelievers to receive Christ. But it's praying for believers to be witnesses for Christ. That is how we should pray. Now listen, I've preached this before, and I always get pushed back, but I want you to hear what I'm saying. I'm not saying that it's wrong to pray for your lost neighbor. I'm not saying that that's a sinful thing. I'm just saying that's not really a biblical thing. What I am saying is this, biblically, When we pray for the lost, the prayers to God are directed for the people that God's going to use to reach the lost. Like, look at how Jesus, this is actually Jesus praying, John 17. We covered this a while back. Jesus says in John 17, 9, I'm praying for them, meaning his disciples. Look at what he says explicitly. I'm not praying for the world. Why not? He says, but for those whom you have given me. Jesus' prayer focus was on his people to reach the world. You're like, really? Yes, really. Look at Ephesians 6. This is Paul. He says, praying at all times in the Spirit, with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for who? Making supplication for who? 
all the saints, and also for me. This is an evangelistic prayer. Look, that words may be given to me and opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel. Notice he doesn't say, hey, there's lots of lost people out there. Pray for the lost. Who's he say to pray for? Pray for the saints. Pray for me to have uh, a mouth uh, to open boldly to proclaim the gospel. That's, That's how I need prayers to go up. He says something similar in Colossians 4. Continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. At the same time, pray also for who? Us. Pray also for us. This is an evangelistic prayer that God may open to us a door for the word to declare the mystery of Christ. He goes on. You don't see pray for the lost. You see, pray for us to reach the lost. And then we get here to Matthew chapter 9. Jesus says, pray for what? The Lord of the harvest to raise up workers. Jesus didn't see the crowd and said, hey, hey, disciples, real quick, let's pray for the crowd. What did he say? Pray for the Lord of the harvest to raise up more people. Is we know the Lord of the harvest wants the grain harvested. If you think about it, to pray that God would save a particular friend or relative, that almost implies that we don't believe that he's been trying. I mean, let's, let's just think about when we say, hey, I want you to pray for this unsaved coworker of mine. I want you to pray for him. What do, we, what do we think is happening when we pray there? Do we think that when we pray, that we're giving God a little push? Like, God, I have this co-worker that's unsaved, and God, what I'm asking is that you would start to take his salvation seriously. God already cares for that co-worker more than anyone. Well, some people say, well, No, no, Pastor Jeff, when you pray for the lost, what you need to do is pray that they recognize their lost condition. That's what we're praying for. Pray that they they recognize that they're lost. And I would say, how does somebody recognize that they're lost? How does that happen? How does that happen? The Bible tells us how that happens, right? Romans 10. How then will they call on him whom they've not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they've never heard? And how are they here without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? How does somebody recognize their lost condition? A sent person takes the word of God to them. And then he says, verse 17, faith comes by hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. So what's our responsibility in evangelistic prayers, when we look at the New Testament, okay, if we're just looking at the New Testament, here is how we pray for the lost. We pray for ourselves. We pray for other Christians that we will have opportunity to witness 
and declare the gospel of Jesus Christ clearly, simply, and urgently. Those are evangelistic prayers if we're just using the New Testament. You know, you go through Christ's analogies. He compares the lost to grain, to a lost coin, to shepherdless sheep, to weeds, to the ill. And all of Christ's analogies imply that our task is to pray not for the lost themselves, but to pray for those who can help the lost. If a sheep escapes from the pasture, we don't say, oh, you know what, thoughts and prayers. Thoughts and prayers, lost sheep. I'm sending positive vibes for the lost sheep. What do we do? If an actual sheep escaped from an actual pasture, what would we do? We'd go tell the shepherd and say, how can I help you get that sheep back? Right? That's how we pray for the lost. Like, man, Pastor Jeff, I pray that my neighbor gets saved. How does somebody get saved? You realize every single person who's ever been saved in the history of the gospel has gotten saved in the exact same way. They've heard the word of God concerning his son, and they've believed it. So you pray that God sends someone. And then you know what happens? After you spend time praying that God would send someone to reach this lost person, after a while you realize that someone's probably you. So you got to know. Look, I get, the, I get the prayer requests every week. And I love praying over those requests. But I, I got I to tell you something. When you're praying for this lost coworker or this lost adult child or this other lost family member that you have, when, when you ask for prayer for them, I'm praying for you. I am praying that God gives you opportunity to share the gospel with that lost person. I'm praying that God equips you. I'm praying that God, uh, by His Spirit, gives you compassion to go after them. You're not going to care for the lost until you make that your prayer. And then, the more you pray for the lost, the more you will care. So we're going to pray. We're not going to get into groups. I'm just going to ask you right now to bow your heads. As our worship team makes their way forward, we're going to pray for three things. And we're going to do one at a time. And I'll start. And then I just want you to have this time before the Lord. But first of all, let's pray that God would restore in us compassion for lost people. Pray that. Yes, we can say us as a church, but let's make it individual. Pray for yourself that God would restore compassion for the lost. Father, I, I confess before you, friend of my brothers and sisters, that it's so easy for me to get so focused on my own problems or my own work or my own projects that I just 
don't think about the lost sometimes. Father, I'm asking by the power of Your Spirit, through the wisdom of Your Word, the example of Jesus Christ that we see, I pray, Father, You would restore a passion for the lost in my heart. I pray, pray for our workers here. We have a lot of people that work so hard in so many ways. Take a moment and pray for the people here who are serving Christ. Father in heaven, I lift up the workers in this church. There are so many who work so hard. We do it knowing that our labor in the Lord is not in vain. But I pray, Father, for a renewed strength. A reminder of the vision. A reminder of the mission. A reminder of why we do what we do, Father. Pray for our workers. And now, church, as our Lord commanded, let's pray for God to raise up more. We're not finding the workload to decrease by any stretch. We're seeing more and new opportunities in this neighborhood and beyond. So right now, church, please, let's pray earnestly for God to raise up more people to carry out the work of the ministry. Father in heaven, we are doing as our Lord commanded. God, you see what's before us. There are so many hurting and lost people in this community. And I ask you, Father, please to raise up workers. Whether it's people that are sitting here right now, or will be sitting here at the next service, or watching the stream from home, or watching this message later, whoever, Father, we reach, I pray that you would raise up more workers. Maybe it's people that we don't even know yet. People that we haven't even uh, encountered yet, Father. Raise up people, please, God, we ask you. To raise up the right people, the rightly motivated people, people who love you and who care about the lost. Raise up more and give us wisdom as more people are raised up to work. Give us wisdom and how to go after this mission that you have called us to. And Father, bring us back to the place where we're motivated by the love of Christ. Father, you know, we're not trying for some kind of a guilt trip here. Sometimes, God, we need a wake-up call because we're so easily distracted like sheep. Get us back to the place where we love you above all things, and that is manifest in everything that we do. Father, I thank you for what's ahead of us, and we're trusting you to equip us with everything we need, to provide us with everything that we need. Father, keep us rightly motivated. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. 
This is Pastor Jeff Miller, and I would like to thank you again for listening to the podcast of Harvest Bible Chapel, Pittsburgh North. And you know, a question that I get asked frequently from people is this, how can I support your ministry? Well, I got good news for you. It is easy, and it is secure. All you have to do is go to harvestpittsburghnorth.org backslash giving and follow the on-screen directions, and you can give online to support the ministry of Harvest Pittsburgh North. So until next time, this is Pastor Jeff Miller saying thank you again for listening to the podcast of Harvest Bible Chapel, Pittsburgh North.